You're listening to Outlandish Outcasts at outlandishoutcasts.com. Welcome to Outlandish Outcasts, episode 10. I'm your host, Al. With me, as always, is my better half, Desi. How are you doing tonight, Desi? Good. How about you? Not too bad. Guess what? What? We hit double digits. We did. Double digits. Ten. Ten episodes, ten weeks in a row. It was just like celebrating a birthday party. That's consistency. (laughs) (laughs) But except... Okay, yeah, never mind. (laughs) It's all good. When you said it's like celebrating a birthday party, it reminds, reminded me of being a teenager and you'd start dating somebody, and you're like, it's our one-month anniversary, even though anniversary literally means one year, uh-huh. <laughs> yearly type I, thing. I wasn't a teenager and didn't have boyfriends, well, so. That's okay. So I, I didn't, I, yeah. I just, I just had to chuckle. It reminded me of that. And then by the time I started getting in serious relationships, when I was a teenager, they were with older men, so <laughs> mm. you don't do that with older men. No. <laughs> We have an audience tonight. She just walked in the room, the dog. <laughs> yeah, she's your favorite fan. <laughs> All right. She's I, your number one fan. <laughs> I think it is your turn to go first this week since I did twice in a row. Oh my gosh. Are you complaining? Not really. Well, it kind of sounded like complaining. But 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 I went first last time. Sound like one of the kids. <laughs> I don't care if you went first last time, you're going again first this time. Okay, well it's your turn. Well, I just told you you're going again first this time. But I'm not listening. You were complaining like the kids. If I go first, I'm going to edit it so I'm second. (laughs) (laughs) Let's try that out. Go first. No, thank you. (laughs) Okay, so randomly, I do not know how I ended up with this. But originally, it kind of came with more than one thing. And then I realized there was so much to just one section of this. Okay. That I stuck to one section of this. Okay. So, what is the origin of the handshake? The origin of the handshake? Uh-huh. I have no idea, but it's, I bet it's interesting. Well, I started off, and it was like six different things, like handshake, like the peace sign, or the V fingers, that's mm-hmm. what they called it, yep. mooning. But I'm like, you know what? There was so much to the handshake. I'm like, let's just stick to that. Okay. Because I even know, but it was watching some movie, like, in India, mm-hmm. the guy went to shake the father's hand with his right hand, and they were all and like, And supposed oh. to shake with the left in India, yes. And I'm like, what are they doing? Come to find out, they don't use toilet paper in India, mm-hmm. and you wipe your butt with your right hand, your right hand. and that's offensive. Yep. So I was like, ooh, this is kind of interesting. I've heard that before. I don't know if it was true, but I've heard the same. Well, it was in a movie, I'm assuming. Yeah. Well, I shouldn't say that because movies don't always fact check <laughs> either. <laughs> but anyways, um, so the handshake has existed in some form or another for thousands of years, but its origins are somewhat murky. So no one really knows. Nobody really knows. But they got speculation. Mm-hmm. So one popular theory is that the gesture began as a way of... Um, Peaceful intentions by extending their empty right hand, stranger to, strangers would show they were not holding weapons mm-hmm. or bore no ill will towards the other. I think that's something I had heard before that 
the the weapon thing that it was you know it was showing you you weren't armed because you know it was even like part of it was the shaking of the hand so the motion up and down would shake any knives out of the sleeve okay. or something that, so that was part of it too so that was still with the knife so magicians don't shake hands because there's something up their sleeve <laughs> <laughs> they're tricksters okay so yet another explanation is that the handshake was a symbol of good faith when making an oath or a promise Okay. So that's more that's like kind of what Greek, it still is. Greek no. or yes. Um, so one of the earliest depictions of a handshake is found in the 19th century BC relief, um, which shows or it was to seal an alliance. Mm-hmm. The epic poet Homer described the handshake several times in Iliad and um, Odyssey. Odyssey most often in relation to pledges or displays of trust. Makes so sense. so it was kind of sealing the deal, I mm-hmm. guess, is yeah. what it was. You know, you're, you're going to shake on it. You, know, when you make a I deal and then you shake on it. I see it as like a sign of respect when you're introducing yourself to somebody. Yeah, that too, definitely. Because you could definitely kind of like, it's almost like a high five. High five! Mm-hmm. Oh, just kidding! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I definitely see it more often in the, you know, introduction, you know, and, and meeting somebody new or seeing somebody you haven't seen in a long time. But I definitely see it, you know, I've seen it also in, you know, just regular everyday life of, you know, you make a deal with somebody, you shake on it. I don't kind shake on it. Well, some people do. Pinky swear? Pinky swear, I guess. Are you going to pinky swear? What, what are we pinky swearing? Pinky swearing. It doesn't matter. You just sign the contract and I'll give you the fine lines later. Okay. <laughs> You're not winning a thousand dollar check though for you didn't read that. No, I didn't read. Yeah, there, there's there's no thousand dollar checkpoint portion of the the terms and conditions. Did, that did I you read. read the fine print before? No, I don't ever read the fine print. Oh my god, Alan! I have not taught you anything. <laughs> it's a pinky swear. It's right up there with you know, clicking I accept. Terms I, and I read the terms and conditions. <laughs> I'm one of those weirdos. I'm like, ooh, what's this got? And ever since we talked about the thousand dollars, I look. <laughs> <laughs> I look. That's I'm like, funny. maybe somebody else will put that in there. I could use a thousand dollars. I don't have that kind of time. <laughs> it's a lot to read, and I'm not a lawyer. You don't have and to. Some read. of it's really you lawyerly. Read through lawyerly. and you look for digits yeah. or hundred or thousand. Fifty dollars. I'm not going to waste my time on your soul. <laughs> Or soul. So, but anyways, by the 1800s, the etiquette manuals offered or often included guidelines. So they had manuals for them. I, I know that there's definitely etiquette manuals that I've heard of in my life from back in the day. I, I always heard of it more in the case of um, teaching, like, how to properly set a table and how to, you know, things like that. But handshake being in there makes sense. Like, for a tea party. Okay. So that's kind of... That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So, anyways, um, apparently nowadays what we use is, or is often suggested today, is the Victorian shake, as supposed to be firm but not overly strong. So that's different than the Harlem shake? What's the, Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Almost had me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Way different than the Harlem Shake. <laughs> so, good to know, good to know. 
Are you going to show I me should, the Harlem Shake? I shouldn't do the Harlem Shake when introducing myself to somebody. I want to see the Harlem Shake. <laughs> no, Let's see you. it. I'll even put it on video. I can and pull up plenty Facebook of videos page. to show you. <sighs> <laughs> I tried. I tried everyone. I honestly tried. Not shaking here. Whatever. So, yeah. But every country, like I kind of mentioned earlier with mm-hmm. India, every country, every culture is different with the shake. Most countries, it's a light shake. Like here, I was always told being raised a um, little bit firm to mm-hmm. show that you're confident. Yep. Um, a weak shake, it just shows that you are weak or mm-hmm. have no confidence. That's the same way I was taught when I was a kid. But most countries, it's light because you don't want to be overpowering. Mm-hmm. Places like in Asia with China, um, the majority of China, it's you start with the most elder person in the room when shaking the hands. You don't look them in the eye. Um, if they're older than you and you bow to them as you're shaking their hand. Um, the Philippines is probably the one that exception to that. They look them right in the eye. And a weak grip is a must. Hmm. So Interesting. Russia, These are definitely though, things you should learn before traveling to another yes, culture. Yes. Well, it's like the peace sign. Some countries yeah. that means... Fuck you. Yeah, it's definitely <laughs> so, different all over the world. It is. Uh, Russia. Can you guess Russia's? Mm, I have no idea. It's firm. It has to be a firm, firm. Very country. firm and tough. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's Turkey as well. Um, like, Australia, I think I was a little... But some of the countries are like this, too. If you're a woman and you're shaking a man's hand, offer your hand first as a woman. Typically, women don't shake hands with other women. Hmm. Which I find odd. That is kind of weird. So, so you shake firm and fast, and no matter what your political um, sides are, never use both hands, which doesn't make sense to me. I'm almost wondering if they're they don't have our political. I was going to say they don't have our politicians <laughs> who walk up to you to shake both your hands like that. But that. Makes me wonder what they meant there. Yeah, I don't know. Huh. I don't know you the know, political system. Though. It's funny. On a normal average day, I don't shake anybody's hand. I actually shake a like, lot of very, people. Like, very, very rarely do I shake people's hands. We're doing the podcast today, and I shook, like, a bunch of hands today. And I don't ever shake people's hands. Kinda I didn't weird. shake anybody's hand. I did a side hug. No, I did a bunch of hugs, a bunch of handshakes. But I'm not a huggy person, no, but yeah. that's also my culture. But your culture is very huggy. Yes, yes very huggy. But I didn't grow up in this area, area either. No. So. Hmm. Well, handshakes are definitely interesting. So. Oh. It's a little more interesting, but for all the stories I picked for tonight, that was the most boring one. Oh, well, that is. It's only going to get more. It's only going to get better from and here, and it wasn't bad. It was great. I love learning about other cultures and more exciting and for me. You might not find everything else as exciting as me. Well, you me. probably won't find my stories very exciting either. I never find your stories exciting. Yeah, I figured. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I have to pull your chain every now and then. It's I my know. job. I know. I didn't give you a hard time. I don't even know if you saw the post I put on Facebook. About yes, I did. Yes, I did. I saw the post. <laughs> I thought it was great. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody liked it. <laughs> anyway. You got glitter in your beard, FYI. That's okay. Are you hugging your daughter? <laughs> I'm sure I was. <laughs> anyway. 
I'm going to talk about something that didn't involve handshakes. That's I, for sure. I wasn't done talking. Well, I'm sorry. I thought you were. You put I am down. done. Okay, there you go. <laughs> I just like to talk. <laughs> <laughs> My first story definitely doesn't involve any handshakes. Have you ever heard of the straw hat riot? Yes, actually, I have. So the, the funny thing about my stories tonight, there's a very good chance you're going to know about every one of them, maybe. Well, not the second, but the third one for sure. But <laughs> the Straw Hat Riot. One, two, and three. 1922, New York City. I'm taking your straw hat after Labor Day, just so you know. It's, it wasn't Labor Day. What? Everybody thinks it was Labor Day, because the Labor Day is the white thing. It's close, though. September, I thought it was Labor Day. September 15th is the last oh, day you can wear a straw hat. That's right. Okay, now I'm remembering more. But and I know what you're talking about. In 1922, uh, straw hats were very uh, uh, customary summertime wear, usually in connection to summer sporting events, such as boating, uh, which is the reason they're also called the boater. <laughs> they're a boater. Um, soft Panama hats were also... Uh, uh, derived from a tropical attire, but uh, began to warm as informal summer attire, where straw hats were your more formal summer attire for men. Uh, by the early 20s... Men wore the straw hats, too? Yes. yes. Okay, that this I didn't is about know. Men. This, is, this is mostly about men. Um, Whatever, you're but, so stereotypical. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just me! It's not like I'm saying it's good about men. You only ever pick stories about men. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> So it's about Alice. Don't worry, I have a story today about you. Just wait your we'll just wait for Me. it. Yeah. Kind of. Whatever. Unicorn? No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> by the early 20th century, straw boaters were considered acceptable day attire boaters. in North American cities at the height of summer, even for businessmen. But there was an unwritten rule. You're not supposed to wear it past September 15th. Blah, blah, blah. I'd be that rule breaker. On September 13th, 1922, two days before that date, a group of young men decided to get an early jump on the tradition and began walking up and down the streets, beating people up <gasps> for wearing straw hats. I'd be throwing my hat down. Oh, yeah. They're... In 1922, that was the most violent year, but this did go on for several years after. But 1922, there was a murder, and there was a lot of people getting beat up Somebody for, got murdered? for wearing a straw hat in New York, walking down the street. Um, That's where on St. Patrick's Day, I go, but I'm not Irish! <laughs> <laughs> not the 15th! And, and I'm not sure if it would have ended when it did, except... By 1925, straw hats were on their way out. By 1930, even though there was a few incidents of some violence in 26 and 27, by 1930, it, wearing a straw hat was considered, you were considered an upper-class person that crashed the economy <laughs> in 1929. So nobody wore straw hats anymore. Kidding. They got rid of the straw hats. Nobody wore them anymore. Um, they had been replaced by the uh, fedora. Oh, those are kind of cool. Yeah. Frank Sinatra. Yeah. And uh, by the 50s, the classic straw border hat was virtually extinct as a garment, except in specialized circumstances. I do have to say uniforms. that fedora is a lot more classier than straw. Oh, I agree. I totally agree. I just can't imagine like people getting beat up for what they're wearing. That just blows my mind. Really? Like, okay, I guess it doesn't, but it should. 
That's ridiculous. <laughs> Why would you beat somebody up because they're wearing a straw shoes. hat? That's Either different. You're going to give me your shoes or I'm going to beat the But they weren't beating them up because they wanted shoes. to take the hat. They just didn't want them to wear the hat. I understand beating me up for my shoes. You want my shoes. That makes sense. But you just want me to take my hat off? I mean, it's not like I'm standing in a church or I'm doing the Pledge of Allegiance. I can have my hat on. <laughs> they were probably passive aggressive and they were displacing their anger. I guess. Just I guess. Saying. I just thought... I just thought it was really weird. I don't even know how I came across this story. This is one of those that I don't know how I came across it. I know how you came across it, but it's okay. How? We heard it together. That's I how not, I knew about that's it. That's not how I, I did not hear this from anywhere else. We did not hear this together. I can play back exactly where you heard it. I'm, I'm guessing I was sleeping. <laughs> no. I'm pretty sure I pulled this it was out from of another podcast we listened to. I'm pretty sure I pulled this off of uh, Today I Learned on Reddit, which I read every day. So that's where I got it from. That's where it hit me. That's where I grabbed it. And the first place I remember seeing it. Oh. So there's a very good chance the podcast did have it, and it was a time when I was sleeping when we were riding in the car that or something could like very that. Well I do, do sleep I do a lot, lot of sleeping in the car. I have trouble getting more than 10 minutes in, in the car, car without sleeping. So. Until the kids are screaming, No, not that one. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, Why not? Except now Ian asked for it. Well, so, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that is uh, my straw hat riot of 1922. Very dangerous. You're a riot man. Yes. So, my second story. Okay. It's a wonderful day in the neighborhood. You've been singing that for two days. I know, because I've been researching it for two days. Okay. And it came back from work because... It started with work because I was talking to a girl at work, mm-hmm. and it all started with a song I was singing. She's like, "Damn it, <laughs> starting to get stuck in my head, and I don't like that song." I said, "Do you want me to sing some Barney tunes?" <laughs> and then she was all like, "I never watched that." And then we got on the subject of stuff we used to watch growing up. Okay. Well, then I thought of Mister Rogers, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Ooh." That's right. I remember sitting in another department and the girl in front of me, we Googled one time where the names of the characters came from. Okay. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to do some research on Mr. Rogers. Well, in the process of all of this, I found out, I didn't know that his stuff was in a museum, a children's museum. Mm -hmm. So that I didn't know, but it's in Pittsburgh, the children's museum. And it's the residents of Land of Make Believe um, is in there. Okay. So I thought that was kind of in- interesting. Cool. Hey, Mr. Rogers was my favorite when I was a kid. I like I hated Sesame Street. I love Mr. Rogers. I love Sesame Street. I love Mr. Rogers though too. Growing up, but they have all the puppets from Make Believe in there. His okay. shoes are in there. His red sweater is in there. Makes sense. So if you ever want to take a trip to go look at all that stuff. There is a children's museum in Pittsburgh. We'll put it on the bucket list. We'll wait till there's grandkids to bring it. I didn't say I want to go there. (laughs) I'm just saying. But I do want to go to Pennsylvania for a ton of stuff. It's more of a history type thing. I'd love to drag the kids, but they'd hate us. Yes. Well, they already hate us. We can make them hate hate us more. That's okay. But what's fun in there that we would want to see that's fun and not historical. Yeah. They'd be like, this is too much education, and we're yeah. not in school. Do we really need to? <laughs> We'd be like... Give it a couple of years, they might, there might pique a little more interest. Mm-hmm. You never know. 
Ian, maybe. Ava, absolutely not. She'll be like, can I call my friend again? <laughs> That's true. Because she's already in that. Mm -hmm. Pre-teen. Fun. But when I was sitting next to my walking buddy from work, mm -hmm. um, one day we just were randomly like, where did they get some of those names? So I, I kind of pulled up today some of the names. I wasn't able to find them all. But mm -hmm. like King Friday. Mm -hmm. It was Mr. Rogers. It was one of his personas, so he could be like that. Um, okay. Also, King Friday was King Friday the 13th, because if you remember yep. on the can castle, yep. it had 13 on there. So that was a pun on Friday the 13th. Yep. Um, he also named Daniel Striped Tiger mm -hmm. after him. That persona is him. So Interesting. Queen Sarah was his wife. Sarah Joanne Rogers. Okay. So he named her after her. Um, we already did Daniel Tiger. Cornflake, Corny, especially. I don't know if you remember yes. who that is. Yes, I do. That was a pun for especially. Hmm. So Corny, especially. Funny. Um, Henrietta Cow was his aunt. Henrietta Elizabeth Cow. Hmm. Named after his aunt, and I'm like, how much did he pay his aunt to name her after the cow? There was an Henry. There was another. There was another cat. It wasn't Henrietta. Henriette Elizabeth Cow. Henrietta was the other cat. Yeah. Why wouldn't he name her Henriette Elizabeth? Yeah. He didn't like his aunt very much. That's what it makes me wonder. Like. Um, this one I don't get. You might understand it. Maybe okay. somebody else does. I don't even remember this character. Donkey Hood Hoodie Hoodie. Okay, sounds like the play on Don Quixote. Sounds like what you just said. Okay. Oh. Donkey hoodie. What's what's who's that? Upon on Don Quixote. Okay, yeah, that's what who's it is. Don Quixote. Um, ew, I don't. Okay, I'm not the right person to ask this question because I'd never read any of the books that Don Quixote was in. I realized just now I forgot to look that up. But he's a character <laughs> in a. In a and, and like some famous old story, and the only reason I know the word, the only reason I've ever heard the word before, look this up. is because in um, HBO show called The Newsroom, they tell a story about Don Quixote, and that's the only reason I know. It was a recognizable book. I yeah. did pull this. Up. Yeah, it's like an old, an old famous a novel, Spanish novel, yeah. published in two parts. I, I was like. I read Spanish and I put it down. I'm never gonna know because no. I've never read Spanish yeah. novels. Mr. Rogers apparently, apparently has. He has. So that was kind. Of, that's kind of interesting, yeah. even for me doing this. Yeah, that's that's cool. <laughs> I was trying to figure it out, and I'm like, I'm done. And then the only other figure that I pulled up was Mr. McFeely. Mm -hmm. I remember hearing about this one a long time ago, but um, Fred Rogers was named after his grandfather, Fred. McFeely, where Mr. McFeely comes from. Oh, that's so cool. So it was his grandpa on his mother's side. That's cool. If you want to 
if you want to really listen to a really like passionate speech by uh, Fred Rogers, um, you can go to YouTube and just um, search for his congressional testimony when he was defending uh, public television. That's it probably is when amazing. They cut, that's probably when they cut his show for the year because it started in like 1972 or something like mm -hmm. that, and they cut him in 1977. Yeah, he, he he made just the most impassioned speech you could ever imagine in how important it is to educate our children and how television was going to help do well, that. Well, he was a and, psychologist. Yeah. And actually, he, this started in 1963, and that was during 1967. Yeah. I, had, I was off a decade. Mm. So, but yeah, yeah. Really, really, really interesting guy. Yeah. I don't I'm know. just shocked that he had to defend that, but then again, psychology was not something. It was, you know, it was a different time. Days. It was definitely a different time. And we're talking about, you know, pub, uh, a station that's, you know, financed partially by the government. So, of course, you would know, have to defend it to somebody who's paying for it. Yeah, you know exactly. the taxpayers. But anyway, exactly. <laughs> well, you had a stuff about Mister Rogers, a, a very popular TV show from, from Mr. years ago. Rogers, make believe was my favorite. I like the land. I like my favorite part of the episode was when he when he fed the fish. I liked when he. Fed I the just fish. read doing this research. He only did that for a blind child. Yeah, no, I knew that. I read about that, too. Like, a few years ago, I read about that. I do have to say, my favorite part was, you remember when he'd move, like, the picture frame and put in a film reel? Yeah. And then they, you would watch something on how they make something, mm -hmm. like crayons? Mm -hmm. That was actually that was my cool favorite. Yeah. Because I loved seeing how things were made. Yeah. And the make-believe was better because I didn't really care about the psychological yeah. mumbo-jumbo, even though make-believe make was. was cool. But... You didn't realize it as mm -hmm. a kid that's what was going no, on. Exactly. Mr. Rogers was too serious for me otherwise. I liked him. I did too. I liked make make believe better. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, is that all you have for Mr. Rogers? You want me to pick up my paper again and be like, wait, Not wait, really. I wasn't done. I wasn't done. Not really. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're gonna still talk about TV. And that glitter in your beard. And the glitter in your beard. That's awesome. I keep wanting to mention it. Stop, stop, stop talking about it. Have you ever heard of the show I've Got a Secret? I want to say this has ruined marriages. Maybe uh, not. I mean, maybe, I guess. But it was a... I've seen episodes of this show, like, on the Game Show Network, old reruns. The show was from the 50s. Okay, because this was recent, and they took it off the air no, within less than no. a year of it being aired. So never mind. The show is from the, from the 50s. You would have like four celebrities, like in a panel of people, and then they'd have somebody come on who had a secret, and the celebrities could ask the this person with the secret yes or no questions to try to figure out what his secret was, what the person's secret was. Okay. So, I, I remember watching episodes. I'm sure I didn't see this episode. Maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. I don't remember this but, at all. When I read this this story, I thought how cool it would be to like see this live. Um, the man on the show who had a secret, his name was Samuel J. Seymour. This is on an episode in 1956. Um, and he was 96 years old. Uh, his he was extremely frail. His doctors did not want him to go on television, but they let him make the decision, and he decided he wanted his secret to be told to the world. Uh-oh. Because he had never 
really told anybody. He, he did have one write-up in a paper a few years prior to this, but other than that, he'd never told his secret to anybody other than the people that were there when it happened. So it was, you know, an interesting opportunity for this 96-year-old man to tell his secret. Um, What's the secret? Oh, I'm getting there, I'm getting oh, there. I can't. The panel of guests Tell included Lucille then, Ball, oh. Jane Matthews, Bill Cullen, and Henry Morgan. Lucille Ball's the only one I knew there. <laughs> Henry Morgan sounds extremely familiar. Anyway, they started asking Samuel Seymour questions, and they realized, well, this is 1957. Samuel Seymour is 96 years old. His gay? secret probably has something to do with Civil War era. Hmm. Okay, not what I was thinking. And turns out they were correct. You kind of ruined it before you said it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just so you know. Well, in 1865, uh, Samuel Seymour's mother took him to a play at the Ford Theater in Washington, D.C. Was, was he there when Lincoln got shot? Not only was he there, he was an eyewitness Ooh. to the Lincoln assassination. Did he see the person and not tell? Was it the no, wrong person no, they no, accused? No, it's nothing that crazy. You never know. <laughs> Did they correct the history books before I learned about it? No. Um, got some, uh, some quotes from uh, Mr. Seymour here. Um, Even if I were to live another 94 years, I'd still never forget my first trip away from home. My father was an overseer on the Goldsboro estate. Um, and it seems that he, he and Mr. Goldsboro had to go to Washington on business. Um, my mom asked if she could take me and my nurse, Sarah Cook, along with her. He was a, this is a wealthy family. Um, his nurse? It, it, he called it his nurse. It was the nanny. Okay. It was a, this is a wealthy family. I was going to so. say, was he polio? <laughs> like, <laughs> no. What was going on there? And uh, mom told me she was going to take me to a play. Um, a real play, and President Abraham Lincoln would be there. And I thought a play would be like a game of tag, so I really liked the idea. Because <laughs> he doesn't know what a play is. He's five years old. He thought when you go play, yeah, exactly. you play tag. Makes sense. It makes sense. Uh, this is him kind of remembering the, the, the incident. He's like, he was a tall, stern-looking man. I guess I thought he looked stern because of his whiskers, uh, because he was smiling and waving to the crowd. Then all of a sudden, a shot rang out, a shot that I will always remember. And then someone in the president's box screamed. I saw Lincoln slumped forward in his seat. People started milling around, and I thought there'd been another accident when one man seemed to tumble over the balcony rail and land on the stage. Ew. Hurry, hurry, let's go help the poor man, I begged. But by that time, John Wilkes Booth, the assassin, picked himself up off the stage, and ran for his life. He was the only witness to see John Wilkes Booth run off. What? Nobody saw which direction the assassin ran, except for this five-year-old boy. Lincoln, and he's not, think, a five-year-old boy is not going to exactly. go, he's the president of the United States, this important figure. He's like, what's going on? And looking all around, like, mm. I don't understand what's going on. No. That's Dur crazy. During this, you know, episode of this show, it's in 1957. He's 96 years old. First time he's ever publicly told the story, other than you know speaking to the police and being a witness at the time. Um, he died two months later. 
two days before the 90th anniversary of uh, Lincoln being shot. I just thought it was a really a, a very you know his his life work. He 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 got out there and he told his story and he was done, and you know life was over. That's crazy. But I think about it nowadays. If somebody shot the president and it was only witnessed by a few people, those people would be so massively famous, you wouldn't go to the age of 96 and never tell the story. It's a different time, obviously. But you're five, and most people, you're not going to be famous at five. No, that's true. He did, he did say many, on the couple of articles I read about this, that one of the things that he said was for literally years after, he had nightmares about shooting. About well, the shooting yeah. every day for years and years and years. So it really bothered him, you know, yeah, which makes PTSD, sense. I mean, it makes sense. It's a very traumatic thing, yeah. especially when you're a little kid and you don't understand what's yep. going on. Yep. I just thought it was really cool, like a little uh, a little piece of history that you don't really see. Oh, and by the, the other thing I wanted to say is at this time in 1957, he was the last surviving person to be in that theater. The last person alive. Well, I would assume so, he was, was five and old. he was 96. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was cool. Like, you know, I'd like to actually, I'm sure you could even find it. Maybe I can find it on YouTube. Um, the actual watch the episode or the portion of the episode where he's on. That'd be interesting to see him, to hear them ask questions and hear him tell the story. That would be crazy because it's a five-year-old perspective. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's my story about uh, the Lincoln assassination, I guess, and the television show. Well, my last one is... Is really fun. Okay. It might hit the bucket list. Might. Never really had dreams of going to England, though. Oh, I want to go to England so bad. Really? Yes. Well, if we ever go to England, we have to go here. Okay. So it's the Gnome Reserve. The Gnome Reserve? The Gnome Reserve. Oh, my God. Like garden gnomes. Garden gnomes. <laughs> okay. So they, they actually have a website. I went on their website to kind of pull up to see... Um, if they had any more details, they didn't have very many details. I wanted to see what it cost to get in there. Yeah. Didn't really see Nothing that. They really. have like a lunch menu. They serve tea. You know, it's England. Huh. <laughs> um, crumpets? <laughs> I don't know if they were crumpets, but there were bis- uh, biscottis. Something okay. like that. Okay. Biscuits of some sort. Um, but That would be a cookie. Yo. There's what they... Uh, well, this wasn't their website, but what I found on a website before I went to their website was there are plenty of wildlife reserves out there, but you've ever seen a gnome reserve? The gnome reserve is one of a kind with more than a thousand gnomes and pixies spread throughout a natural outdoor habitat for of, on four acres, along with 250 labeled species of wildflowers. So um, I thought it was kind of cool because as I was looking, I have some pictures. I'm going to post pictures on our Facebook page just because I'm like, well, yeah. there's hundreds of pictures yeah. of this. I'm sure. I'm sure lots of people have taken pictures when they went to the gnome. Oh, region. yeah. But you only, you have to wear a gnome hat when you're there. And you okay. have to take a fishing pole if you want to go fishing. But if you're going to take pictures, mm-hmm. they state on their page. I wonder if this is the one that I put. Um, gnome hats are loaned free of charge together with fish, fishing poles so you don't embarrass the gnomes. Take your pictures and embarrass the family with some truly memorable photos of the family album or hmm. for the family album. 
So if you're going to take pictures, you need to wear your gnome hat and have a fishing pole so that way the gnomes don't feel out of place. Okay. So, yeah. But you can go there, you can buy gnomes, you can buy antique gnomes they have. You know. But I thought it was kind of, I thought it was kind of interesting. This is something I could see myself going, paying $5 per person or whatever. This is definitely interesting. It's one of those things, you know, if you are in an area that's got a neat little attraction like this, you know, I always would advise to go check it out. Um, but it also seems to me, I could imagine, uh, let's just pick a random family member. I could imagine your mom coming over and say, I have this business idea. <laughs> we're going to buy four acres Actually, of land no, and we're going to no. set up a gnome for It went through my head. I'm like, oh my God, this would be the easiest business <laughs> ever. Yeah. And you get to charge people. I, you can charge people much. The only reason I thought of your mom was the flush. Your mom likes to garden and do flowers well, and stuff. My mom so, ran through yeah. my head too. I'm like, ooh, I can't have my mom do garden. But. I thought that was, this was interesting. That is because interesting. They even had like a checkerboard in yeah. the ground, and there were like there was one I saw where there were like little gnome pieces, oh, that's so funny. you could actually play. Yeah. So I was like, I'm sure they have all oh, kinds of little neat little cool. things set up with that many gnomes there. You can do all kinds of fun stuff. All tons, tons of tons of tons of tons of stuff. Cool. The gnome reserve is that what it was? Gnome oh, reserve. Gnome so it's. You know, kind somewhere of like in Engle, somewhere preserving in all the garden gnomes. Somewhere in England? Devon, England. Hmm. I'm cool. probably saying it wrong because they, they say words different. Yeah. Well, yeah, we can throw it on the bucket list if we ever make it over. I want to go there. That would be cool. If we have to go over there. That would be cool. And I'd really like to go over there. But I'm excited. That can go on the bucket list since you want to go there. That this is the place, though. Okay. I don't know what you want to see in England. I really don't care because I want to see this. There's a bunch of things I want to see in England, but we can. It's not as important as this. I don't know. They're saving the gnomes. Stonehenge is in England. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you got me there. Another thing I pulled up tonight I almost brought in was something in Nebraska. It wasn't Stonehenge, but it was like the Carhenge. Okay. I'm not going to talk about that. Because, we'll have to bring it some other night. But you brought up Stonehenge, yep. and I literally brought that up, too. No. Okay. Anything else on the notes? No, I'm, I'm done. Okay. My last story of the night. I, nothing I'm going to say in this story is going to surprise you. You're going to know every single detail and every single fact that you know. Is it the first night we went on a date? Because I'm no. not going to remember all that. No, it's this is stuff. I you'll... kind of blacked out. I'm just kidding. I'm going to tell you some <laughs> stuff. I'm going to tell you some stuff, and what I'm going to tell you pertains to the two most important females in my life. Are you talking about something finished? No. Okay. Study finds. Redheads have rare genetic superpowers. Ooh, me and Ava. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, they may only make up 2% of the population, but redheads um, you, might be even more no, no, unique no. than When I thought. try to tell you that I make up less than 1% of the population because I have blue eyes, yeah. you're like, well, you know I've that blah, 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 so many people, and I'm like, you've just ruined that for people. me. But, screw uh, you, Alan, screw it, you. It turns out there's a number of special genetic qualities that give those lucky redheads a surplus of evolutionary advantages. Although me and Ava are different. She can tan, I yeah, cannot. Yeah, yeah. She doesn't have freckles, I do. Um, the first uh, 
the first thing I'm going to tell you here won't surprise you at all and definitely doesn't surprise me for the things I've seen you go through. Uh, first of all, redheads have a higher pain thrush- threshold than any other. Um, oh, yeah. I don't think people there. always believe me when I say that, but I don't whine about much. No, you definitely have a very high uh, pain threshold. Usually if I stub my toe, I'm like, fucking son of a bitch. And um, that's about it. And I move on. <laughs> according, to a, according to a 2003 study by McGill University, Scarlet-haired women can cope with up to 25% more pain thanks to a rare genetic mutation associated with their red hair and fair skin. This mutation is called MC1R. I bet Ava doesn't have that. She doesn't Maybe. have fair skin. She has your yeah. skin complexion. She's got an olive... This nifty gene also means that redheads react to changes in temperature more intensely. Oh, I'm always complaining about that. Yes, you are. Um, the genetic mutation means that you are colder when it's cold and hotter when it's hot. I never knew that. That is probably one thing about redheads I did not know. The pain tolerance, I did know. That, I did not. Because even today, it is like 90 degrees outside. And I'm like, I'm always freezing. Why am I so hot today? Here's one thing I didn't. I thought I knew this, but then I thought maybe I knew the opposite, and I wasn't sure. But this gene, MCR1, MC1R, uh, this gene mutation, um, also means that red he- redheads need less vitamin D than the rest of us. They actually produce it for themselves at a higher rate. Okay, but you have to sure. remember, we live, we live in, in an place area where there's, where no there's like no sun hardly yeah. coming in, even in the summer. So... Yeah, because even in the summer, I have to take vitamin D because we and, don't get it here. And finally, thanks to greater levels of acidity in the skin, redheads evaporate their scent at a higher and more fragrant potency. They smell better than um, anybody. Can I tell you a story? I don't know if I've ever told you this. Sure. So one time I was I was a teenager. I wear deodorant now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but as a teenager, you don't always care about your personal hygiene. Mm-hmm. I mean, you do, but you don't. Nice. So it's not like the number one thing. It's not on your number your... one thing on your mind. No. And I remember coming home from Duluth with a friend of mine, and she's like, what are you wearing? You always smell so good. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm not wearing anything. She's like, well, maybe it's your deodorant. I'm like, I don't even have that <laughs> on. She's like, what? Little you did you know like it was the color flowers. of your hair. <laughs> I had no idea, but she told me I smelled like flowers. She's huh. like, you always smell like flowers. That's interesting. That's cool. It's like weird because I like musky scents. I, just, and stuff like that. I, came, I came across this and I just started reading. I'm like, holy cow, this is like so you. And it just, I had to get it out there. That's crazy. Like, I didn't even know about the scent thing yeah. either. Those are some things I've Interesting learned about. Things. Like, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a, like a, a gene mutation that, that causes the red hair, and it also has these other side effects. Well, I knew there were side effects like anesthesia. You Redheads need more. Mm-hmm. I proved that during, during my wisdom teeth extraction. Yeah. I remember half of it. <laughs> fun mm-hmm. times, fun times. Well, that is all the stats about the most two most important women in my life. <laughs> Aw, you're so sweet. Anyway, I think it's not that... getting you out of your pinky swear. I didn't want to <laughs> Damn. I'll give you the fine writing later. I think that's all we have for this evening. You can reach us at outlandishoutcast at gmail.com. I forgot the name of the show for a minute. Way to go. <laughs> oh. Oh man. Oh my goodness. We are also on Facebook. Outlandish Outcast Podcast. And did 
it's been kind of fun getting got a comment. We've had a bunch of likes. Keep, you know, keep it up. We'd like if, if there's anything you want to hear, if there's any story you want to hear our opinion on, let us know. There's we a certain episode that you like. Definitely share it. Yeah, share it. Get it out, get there it out so there. Can, people can see. I want to know other things people find that are a little bit different that are interesting to of talk course. about. I would definitely research it and talk about it. Of so course. So would I. I want to hear the opinions. Bring them on, people. Yep. Bring on whatever you can. And even if you didn't like the show, let us know. <laughs> I don't know. Just be nice. I, Maybe send an no. email if you didn't like the if show. Because I usually read the emails. Like <laughs> no. If you're you're going to tell me you don't like it, I want the constructive criticism okay. on why and what we could do to make it better. Perfect. Perfect. That's how I like a negative comment. Sounds good to me. Anyway, that's all for us tonight. Have a good week, everybody. Bye.